Welcome to season two of the B Major podcast. I am Noah Aronson. I'm a composer, songwriter, performer, teacher, intentional mover, and curious spiritual explorer. This season, you'll hear a continuation of my personal exploration of the meeting points of creativity and wellness, as well as pre-recorded and live interviews I conducted with dynamic movement practitioners, spiritual leaders, authors, coaches, athletes, professors, and fellow creatives doing meaningful work in their respective fields. All of the music that you'll hear throughout the podcast are examples of my own creative expressions that I created right here from my studio in Brooklyn, New York. My hope is to inspire and encourage you to step more firmly onto your path and to remind you that you too can be major. Welcome back to the B Major podcast. On today's episode, I interview Amber Ryan, who is the co-founder of the 360 Emergence, which is an embodiment, free-form, spirit-driven movement practice. I have spoken to a lot of movement experts on this podcast series, and I'm always quite moved, pun intended, by the life wisdom that they've acquired through the development of their various practices. Something about learning how to tap into the body allows us to become more present and feel more connected to the world around us. I have to admit that the last few months, I've somewhat fallen out of my routines of daily movement practices and creativity, and the result is a reoccurring feeling of disconnection from my inner self. I've been allowing my brain to run the show lately, and it's been causing me a lot of internal stress. I've been finding myself to be much more judgmental of myself and others, and much less present, much less creative. Through this podcast series, I know I've spoken a lot about how to get back into our creative flow, and it's time for me to take a bit of my own advice. I know that the pathway is about getting back into the body, but still I have trouble motivating myself to get back into any consistent practices. This has been affecting my creativity as well. After taking a bit of a break this winter, I've also fallen out of my routines with my daily writing practices and have been having a lot of trouble finding my groove again, so to speak. The music that I write when I'm writing every day is much stronger than the music that I write when I'm out of my daily writing routines. I share this not to complain, but to ensure that I'm being as transparent as possible about the creative and wellness journeys that I'm on, and hopefully to help others to feel a little bit less uh, shame or embarrassment around falling in and out of practice. It's all part of the journey. It's one thing to know what we need to do to feel good and to feel healthy, and it's another thing to actually integrate that knowledge and live it. One thing I know for sure is that nobody is coming to do the work for me. Time will pass, and unless I make the changes on my own for myself, I can't expect my future to be any different than my present. 
I know that when I'm creating every day and moving intentionally every day, then I am planting the seeds for a positive future. And when I'm not actively choosing to focus on my creativity and wellness, then I can expect my days to feel a bit more sluggish and my future to be a bit more of the same. So in light of this, I decided that today's offering should be a few minutes of music and movement together. I spent about two hours this morning throwing together a movement track on Ableton that hopefully will uh, encourage us to move and have a little fun together. I figured it was best to put my actions where my mouth is. If I've been feeling like I was out of my creative flow and haven't been moving intentionally, then the best thing to do is listen to my own advice and just start. So if you can, find yourself a place where you feel comfortable standing on your feet and moving your body freely. This song is about two and a half minutes long, so this certainly won't take up much of your time. I'm sure you can pause whatever you're doing for two and a half minutes and start to move with me a little bit. Yeah, so let's take this moment to drop in. Standing, if you're able to. Take the music, take the beat, and see where your body wants to move you. Don't forget to breathe. Just where is the beat landing in your body, and how does it make you want to move right now? Let's see if we can raise our vibration for this last minute of our dance practice. Bigger movements. Take up more space.
Now just stand in breath, stand in presence, and see how you are a bit changed, a bit moved. How you might be different from when you started that practice. Take a few more moments to yourself, thanking yourself for being playful, moving your body in unexpected ways. And when you're ready, you can either pause the recording or find your way to a seated position or somewhere that you can listen to my interview with Amber Ryan. How do you access your lightness? How do you access your flow? Where do you keep your excitement? Maybe it's time to let go. I'm speaking today with Amber Ryan, a movement teacher, an embodiment leader, a student of life and devoted soul mapper, a transformative sonic music curator and visionary event creator. And she is the co-founder of the 360 Emergence with Kate Shella. I am honored to also call Amber a friend and have had many opportunities to be led by her on many different dance floors from New York to Colorado to Costa Rica. Amber, it is so great to welcome you to the Be Major podcast. It's so great to be here with you, Noah. Thank you so much for inviting me in. Oh, it's just amazing. We've been on so many journeys that you've helped curate over the years. And uh, I just, you know, even if we've had few like conversations, like, you know, we, we know each other because we've seen each other on the dance floor. There's something so powerful to me about how like this, like this deep knowing that happens just from the dance, how you can be anywhere around the world, not speaking, but just communicating. And it's communicating from like the depths of your soul. And so there's just like this deep knowing of each other. I agree. You know, the dance really brings us into a primal kind of language, an essential language that's different than the verbal language. And it's mm. really freeing in that way, actually. Mm -hmm. I actually spoke with someone else on this podcast a few weeks ago. Her name was Leanne Gabora. And she was saying that at one point she was doing a, uh, a dance workshop um, and she was dancing with all these different artists, uh, painters. And there was this... Um, art gallery that you can kind of walk around. Mm -hmm. And she was actually able to identify who created which piece of art, just having danced with them, like not even knowing their names or anything. She just was like, oh, clearly that person created that piece of art. Wow, that's pretty extraordinary. I love yeah. hearing that, you no, know? That's amazing. Um, so can you talk a little bit about your journey, how you led to be you know, doing the work that you're doing right now? I know a little bit about it, but I would love for our listeners to just hear about like how you, how you emerged. I love that, thank you. Well, it's certainly been a lifelong process. I mean, I came out dancing. Some of my first memories and some of the most potent memories that me and my mother share were of me dancing when, when I was young. Um, throughout my years, I became a dancer. Um, I became a, da a trained dancer. Um, early on, it was very much 
more like what I do now, which is free form and really moving from the inside out. And when I got into high school and those periods of puberty where the emotions get churned up, dance really became my refuge. Mm. And, you know, those moments where, you know, we're in high school and you have to start to decide, what am I going to do? What am I going to do for a living? What do I want to do with my life? The arts really called to me. Mm. Um, And so as a trained dancer and also as a competitive dancer, I already had the signaling in my body that being a professional dancer in the way that most people, including myself, define that was not going to be sustainable. Mm. By the time I was 17, I already had my first injury in my ankle. And we were so rigorous in the way that we performed. I just kept getting the signal like, wow, this is, this is not exactly your path. Mm. However, I had practiced so much at it, I was really good at it. Mm. So I started to get booked in professional theater shows. And um, I went to two different art schools. I went to Florida School of the Arts, um, and then I went out and performed and kept getting cast as a dancer. Mm. And the fascinating thing to me was that even though my, let's say my soul, my spirit was getting the messaging that that wasn't the way, I didn't quite know the other way because performance and, you know, kind of utilizing the arts as a way of connecting to humanity was such my way and such my outlet. Uh, so, you know, in my stubborn 19, 20, 21 year old self and just not having exposure to all that was going on in the world, I kept on that path mm. and I kept on that path until I had a devastating injury uh. and um, I had I had chosen to go back to school for the school of the arts, get off the ankle, get off the foot to to heal it and focus on my acting, focus on articulating because movement was always so much my way, my language and articulating through words and voice, not so much. So Mm. I chose to go into the acting field to really heighten um, my vocabulary, my understanding, all of those types of things of verbal language. And of course, got booked in a, in the first musical of the year as a dancer. And you know how spirit works is you're not listening. Mm. You haven't listened. And so I ended up breaking my foot the night before we opened the show after our two hour, three hour, I don't know, four hour um, dress rehearsal on the way to the parking lot. And that was such a low point in my life. That was really, in a way, you know, ground zero for me in in my direction and devastation. And the way soul and spirit works, not too long after that, you know, I was in an amazing art school. And one of my teachers knew that my way into acting was a little bit you know, a little bit further down the path. She knew that my way into practicing acting was through movement. And Mm. so she handed me Gabrielle Roth's book. I I believe it was Sweat Your Prayers. And from page one, when I opened that book and started to take in Gabrielle's story, there was so much resonance. And never in my life had I had this experience of going, that's my teacher. Wow. Mm. So that's really how it started. And once that door opened for me, I went, I went in that direction as soon as I could. 
So, you know, I was going to become a famous actress and all of that kind of stuff. I moved to Los Angeles and had done my research. So I knew that one of the moving centers was just a few hours north of there and went into my first workshop and I was home. Is that the Esplin Institute? No, actually, it was in Marin. You know, Gabrielle Roth, who is the founder of the Five Rhythms, she did a lot of work in, in Marin, Sausalito, that area. And so I just went to a, a day-long workshop with Lori Saltzman, and she said, oh, Jonathan Rand's going to be here next month. So I just continued. And by that summer, you know, it's like when you find a path and everything just is a yes, you just go for it. At least that's my personality. So by that summer, I was in Gabrielle's, one of her month-long trainings, one of her month-long experiences with 80 of her most devoted students from all over the world, and it changed my life forever. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. so amazing. Yeah, I know I, I first met you, uh, maybe it was probably five or six years ago at this point, through the Five Rhythms community, um, and have had many experiences dancing with you, and you being led by you, and your, the way that you curate uh, experiences is just unique. I've been impressed and amazed at how you've uh, been able to emerge uh, out of, uh, of that construct and create your own, your own unique offering. And I'm wondering what it was like, you know, the Five Rhythms community being such a powerful part of your, your process and your growth. Like, like how, how were you able to kind of step out of that and, and then evolve into the creating this 360 emergence? Thank you for that question. Huh. The first th word that comes to mind is terrifying. <laughs> I mean, at first, it was absolutely terrifying. You know those moments when your soul says, you got to go in this direction for your own freedom, for your own evolution? That's what it was for me. Um, I love the five rhythms. I, I, I still and will always love the five rhythms. I, I call it my root practice. I mean, studying with Gabrielle very closely for studying with Gabrielle very closely for 10 years gave me such a foundation that I'm forever grateful for and yet as an artist as a creative I knew that there w was something else out there uh, for me and those that kept coming in close to gather around and, and creating a, a unique community or we could say a circle within the circle and so for me, freedom, free, artistic freedom, um, being able to explore different modalities is very important to me. And throughout, throughout my, let's say, movement practice, I started to come in contact with various modalities. Right. Um, yoga became um, a big part of my practice and not so much to say the postures, the asana, but more in alignment of the teachings, the ancient, the ancient teachings that were coming through that really resonated with me. So for me, you know, at a certain point in my own practice, I, I started to want more. I started to hunger for more and also, you know, part of what happened is that Gabrielle passed. Mm. You know, Gabrielle transitioned nine years ago. And for me, it's really important to have a teacher. And so I started to seek out and pray for another guide, another teacher that could help me to continue to evolve and grow. And so the 360 emergence at its core 
is a movement practice, is, you know, we could say a conscious dance practice. Um, and yet we, we bring in other modalities to, let's say, create a 360 field, right? So what are the other things that the community that's showing up are ready and hungry to learn? Yeah, well, I mean, you you mentioned that you were you were seeking another teacher. Was that in a person or was that in a concept? It was in a person. It's it. I truly believe, especially if you are a teacher, that you need a teacher. Mm. And so there was a void in my life for a little while. Now, certainly, you know, we know the concept. Like you're my teacher. You know, every encounter that we have in life, on the planet, in the universe, is a teaching. Um, but to be able to sit with a human being that has done way more practice than I have in a certain area, it allows me to be a sponge. It allows me to continue to be a student of life in a very direct and guided way. And so um, just through the way life unfolded, I ended up meeting Rod Stryker and his yoga teachings really spoke to me in the way that it came through him. You know, obviously Gabrielle was a woman. And so I was so blessed that my first main, let's say spiritual teacher, movement teacher, came in a, a feminine energy. And to have the opposite experience of sitting with a, a male master, if you will, allowed me to see, wow, just the difference in the way that information is communicated. And um, I just really, really, I mean, I remember the first class with him. He was cueing things that my brain didn't even know how to do, you know, simple things. But it cued to me immediately, wow, keep going in this direction because there's mm -hmm. some information here that you do not have. And you know what? I, you know, I, I was so fortunate to spend a lot of time with Gabrielle. And one of the things that she kept saying to me was, you know, whoever starts to bring this this movement practice along with the intelligence of yoga is really going to help to expand the field and that was something that you know she said and i tucked away it was a long time ago and then i started to remember it when i was beginning to practice with rod and um you know in this kind of way where we're working in these fields sometimes you might only be with your teacher once a year, but the downloads are so big that you can, you know, take those downloads and spend the next year working on them and practicing mm. with them. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people who I interview on this podcast um, talk about like tapping into the wisdom of the body, um, like getting out of the head and tapping into the body. Uh, and I think I first started learning about that uh, through, through you and through um, our work together on the dance floor. And I would just like, kind of like love to hear you speak a little bit about like the wisdom that you've learned about tapping into the wisdom of the body and like, and how that's, um, you know, how you've seen it manifest itself on the dance floor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's a big one. Culturally, most human beings 
come from the head still. I mean, all the technology, all the programming. And so many of us on the planet who are waking up are remembering that there are greater, there are maybe not greater, but there are other intelligences that run through our system. The heart is one, right? The body is another. Obviously, the mystery of the soul and the spirit, right? And so oftentimes we see, especially folks that are working from a, a head space through, you know, five days a week, eight hours a day or more, we are what we practice. So when we're constantly generating from the head, that's how we're going to interact with the world. Yet the body itself has so much wisdom and, and intuition and instinct, right? Um, actually, the body is the realm of instinct. And so in movement practice, part of what we're doing, and especially, let's say, movement meditation practice, because meditation, in a way, is that quieting of the mind, or at least learning how to witness the mind and not being so attached to identify with that my thoughts are who I am. What we learn in any kind of meditation is that thoughts just pass on by. So if we're not, they're like clouds. So if we are not our mind, then what are we? Well, this body has such an incredible intelligence. And part of what we, how it is that we practice in the 360 is also connecting this body to the elemental world that's around us. So we're walking around on our feet all day long. Well, we're walking around on this planet, on this earth that also has its own intelligence. And so if I can allow myself to be supported by what is below me, if I can allow myself to you know, relax and almost be kind of hugged by the earth as I'm walking, as I'm sitting, as I'm navigating, there's a supportive element that is present for me where I don't have to effort as much, you know. But as far as the body specifically, the body, as many of us know, can also store past moments. And, you know, when we're storing a lot of past moments in the body, Basically, you know, you can, you, can, you can kind of equate that to almost living in the past. So one of the ways that we practice in movement is to allow ourselves to move and to focus with our awareness, our attention on different parts of the body to unlock those, um, m those muscle memories, if you will, and to free ourselves from them. So, you know, if we want to, you know, fully live in the present moment, to clear and cleanse the body of tension, of um, stress, allows us to live in this moment more free. And so when we're doing that, then we're also more, you know, once we kind of open the channel, open the body, we have a greater ability to move through the world in our instinctual nature, in our primal nature. Mm. And if, you know, I'm not, we're not going to go into a history lesson here, but, you know, humans in the beginning, that's how it is that we lived. We were very primal, you know, throughout time, our brains and all of that have formed. And so part of what we have lost in being so mind-brain-centric is that primal instinctual self. And, you know, for me, sometimes um, when I get into a situation and I, and I feel confused, and I don't know what the answer is, I will go into the body for the answer and listen really quietly and really from a, from a still place 
you know, and ask my whole system, you know, <laughs> you know, do I go right? Do I left? Do I get on the plane? Do I not get on the plane? And if I allow myself, you know, this takes practice. This doesn't happen <laughs> right when you begin. But over time, when you create that relationship with the body, you can yourself start to pick up on very specific subtle cues. So that if the mind might be confused, you ask the body a question, you might see the body contract and fold in. And to me, that's, that is not a yes. <laughs> that is definitely not a yes, right? And so learning how to use the body as a tool of wisdom is a place that the 360 Emergence is really interested in. Um, I actually haven't yet had an, an opportunity to experience the 360 emergence with you. Um, I've been wanting to, and then there was this thing called the pandemic, and then that was really <laughs> crazy. I'm sure that you have, it must have been incredibly challenging, like to be starting a new project and then have the pandemic hit. Um, but yeah, can you just talk about like, you, you've mentioned now a couple times the 360 emergence, and I want to have a little bit more clarity for our listeners, just like, like, what is that experience that you're curating for people? Like, and what does that look like? Um, like how can we give like a tangible understanding of what that looks like? I'll do my best. <laughs> you know, <laughs> one of the things that's so challenging in what it is that we do, whether it is the five rhythms or open floor or Azul or the 360 is in a way, this is a mystery practice. So, so um, the challenge of defining what it is, you know, I, you know, I, I know my teacher, she was doing that right up until, you know, days before her passing. Um, but I'll, I'll do my best. So, you know, to reiterate, it is a body-based practice. Yet, you know, we have all different kinds of offerings. You call something the 360, you know, and you've got to pay attention to a lot of different directions. And I don't do this alone. Um, you know, part of what we're in the process of doing is, is also expanding our teaching circle so that it's not just Kate and I. Um, so that's a whole other exciting side note. But, you know, for instance... We offer online now, yes, we got expedited because of the pandemic, yet we always wanted to enter into the realm of being able to reach more folks through technology. And so we have accomplished that. Um, an hour is going to be a, a, a way different experience than, let's say, a four-day experience. Oh, you know, yeah, when we go, yeah, when we go in for an hour, you know, one, we use... I like to think, very inspiring music. Music is, is a big part of what it is we do. And music, in a way, is the, is the support and the, the inspiration fuel for where it is that we want to take you somatically, you know, where it is that the intention for that hour. And sometimes the intention for that hour is just to get energy moving, to get the body moving, to circulate so that we can release that tension and, you know, work through any challenging emotions. I should say dance or move through any challenging emotions that we're, you know, that are in our midst. So whenever it is that we enter, um, for me, and, you know, Kate and I guide a little bit different. We're, we're different human beings. We have a whole different life experience. You're going to get different experience when you come to our class, to our labs. 
And, you know, for me, I lean into movement meditation. Um, and I also lean into the teachings of yoga. So there's going to be, for bo- with both of us, there's going to be grounding and centering practices. You know, what does that mm. mean? How do I practice simply being present in my body without having to, f- to fill the space? Can I just be here? Oh, no, when I'm standing here, I might feel a flutter. What's that flutter? Oh, my gosh, I'm feeling anxiety. It's anxiety. How do I start to move what is in order to, let's say, arrive at what my own personal intention for this session might be. So in the beginning, there is usually an intention setting moment. Like, you know yourself better than anyone else, right? So as we take a moment to pause, all kinds of information is going to start to come up. It might be like, oh my goodness, my mind is so active right now, or oh, my body feels so contracted. So the notion of starting right where you are is usually our first invitation. And then, you know, if, if you're new, that first class, that first lab, you say, just, just stay, right? Just, just the practice of staying for it and, and moving all the way through it and, you know, experiencing, there's for most folks, whenever we do anything new, and especially when we come into movement practice or practices or something that you know might feel quite foreign or radical, there's probably going to be some self-consciousness there, right? So how is it that we cross the threshold from self-consciousness to ease and greater awareness? All of these these aspects are part of what's going to happen when you come into, let's say, an hour-long lab. Hopefully, by the end of it, you feel grounded, centered, open, free, clear. You know, but sometimes you might have just gotten a download of what it is that you want to practice on for the weeks to come, you know? So it's really getting more intimate with your own self and being able to, to listen to the body, to calm the mind, or to open the mind. And in the 360, you know, part of what we actually are working with, and, and this is where our mapping is a bit different, and this is where the yoga practice really comes in, we are working with the wisdom centers, okay? Some people call them chakras. Um, but, you know, the general mapping is that, you know, from the crown of the head, you know, into the third eye or the midbrain. Some traditions um, call it the midbrain center. You know, we have the throat, the throat center, the heart center. You know, some folks work with the solar plexus or the navel center is a bit lower, and then the root chakra. So all of those wisdom centers are on that central axis. And so part of what we practice in the simplicity of the 360 emergence is also listening in to what, what, what parts of myself are really open, what parts of myself are really active, and which parts of you know, myself on those wisdom centers are actually closed and blocked. And so some of our mapping really um, helps us and challenges us to open our awareness to where we are open, to where we are blocked, and to come into that alignment so that once again, when I walk out of my practice and into the world, you know, I am grounded, I am present, I am open, I am available, I am available to be of service. And so service, awareness, 
We could even say, you know, the, the 360 also has a pillar that we continue to explore of social justice and raising awareness of what's going on on the planet, you know? So when the pandemic happened and then a few months later, you know, there was the murder of George Floyd and then Black Lives Matter, all of that really came to the forefront. And Kate and I, you know, after having done this both for 20 plus years, at a certain point, it has to be more than just the dance. It has to be more than just coming in and, and having myself feel good. It's like, what is the greater good? How can this serve the greater global planet? And again, that's where the word 360 comes in because we mm, want to yeah. be global citizens, right? And we want to be able to pay attention and turn our attention to where the challenges are culturally. So we do that. And so when you go into some of our deeper immersions, which we name, you know, sometimes we'll do um, immersions that are just for women and, and, you know, we'll turn our attention to, you know, opening awareness around gender issues and bringing the education. So I could say in a simple form, the 360 is an education. Mm. Yes. <laughs> a human uh, one. <laughs> a human education. Hmm. I have just so many thoughts and um, you, just, you just said, you just dropped a lot of wisdom there and I'm really grateful. Um, I think about like experiences that I've had in the dance floor with you in the past and, and it's, it takes courage. It takes courage to be out there on that dance floor and let those things come up and move with them. And you are a you know gifted space holder for people's um, for people to be able to navigate through um, whatever they're going through. Um, but there's no but actually no. That's uh, <laughs> just uh, you know it's. I wonder if it's like I, I was gonna, I was saying. Like, I wonder if it's not for everyone. Like you, does someone have to be ready or can they just come and do some people just come and want to have a good time? Or is it always the people who are just like, I want to heal this thing and I want to heal the world and I want to go in and dive and do the work. Like, is there also, cause like, I, I know that, you know, we had a new year celebration a couple of years ago in Costa Rica and that, and a lot of that was just fun. You know, we just were having a good time. So I'm wondering if like, if there's some, just some element, element of just lightness and. Oh, yeah. oh, and we need it now more than ever, yeah. you know, Kate and I both really know how important it is to lean into the joy. And, you know, especially in hard times, challenging times like we're in, it's even more important for us to find ways to lift ourselves and each other up. So yeah, you know, there we 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 try to really be with language in a very specific way. And so in our, in our larger, or let's say longer experiences, we have a differentiation between a retreat and an immersion, mm. <laughs> you know? And so a retreat, which is what we're about to do for the first time together in two years, this January in Costa Rica, you know, that is going to have more space. That's, let's, let's go for a walk to the waterfall, you know? Let's take that extra time for conversation, you know? Let's, Let's lean into restoration. And that's another really big part of what Kate and I are onto now is, is how do we not push? How do we, 
you know, learn to rest more and it be okay. And for so many of us, that's so challenging, right? But then we take the word immersion and those are the ones where we're going into deep studies. And so we try to differentiate, you know, so that folks know what they're getting into. Yeah. Um, and know that we're, what they're signing up for. But, you know, you, all, you, you brought up also the courage that it takes. Absolutely. You know, some people, I imagine if they are, are just taking in from a visual, you know, a group of people, you know, if, if there could be the fly on the wall and see the groups of people moving in the way that, let's say, the, you know, that Tuesday night class in, in New York City, I don't know if it's still going on right now, but hello, like, but that took 20 plus years to cultivate, right? Mm -hmm. So w as a facilitator, I'm always taking a moment to listen into or see how it is that I, that we can integrate new folks into that field and create a sense of safety for them mm. as soon as possible, yeah? And so that's part of, let's say, if we're in an in-person experience, the first 10, 15, 20 minutes, that's what I see my job is, is how do I bring everyone in this field, whether you've been here a thousand times, and especially if it's your first time, how do we as facilitators create some sense of cohesion so that everyone feels safe? And, and sure, unless you're an absolute natural and there are those folks that are movers and they come in and they're like, oh my gosh, I am home, this is it. But for some folks, it's a much longer process, you know, which is why I encourage, like, if you got there and you stayed and you're still curious, come back again because we are creatures of repetition, right? So the more that we repeat things, the more ease that we, that we, that our whole system steeps in and, and, and the more easeful I am, then the more that my body is going to relax. And, I'm, you know, a question we're asking ourselves, especially in 2021, am I safe here? So all of these types of things are going to be assessed when anyone enters for the first time. And, you know, the cool thing about Zoom, you know, there's pluses and minuses to everything. But when we offer our, our offerings where people come in live into the Zoom rooms, you have the choice to have your video camera on or off. And so in that way, people can create safety in their own homes. The only challenge there is to not get distracted by all the things that you think you need to do in your home and stay present for that hour, you know? <laughs> Yeah. So a lot of this B major podcast is about finding the meeting point between creativity and wellness, right? It's like that our creativity can help us lead to lead us to be more well and our wellness practices help lead us to be more creative. And I wonder, like you are such a gifted curator of music. And I wonder about how the, your creativity, like how do you design those experiences? How do you know uh, when you're listening to something, how it's going to work on the dance floor? How do you, how are you using your creativity and how your creativity informing the craft that you are you know, creating for people? 
Mm, well, it's hard for me to say which I love more. Is it music or movement? <laughs> it's really hard for me to say. And so, you know, I love listening to new music. And, you know, I remember the first time I created a, a playlist uh, for an experience. It took me eight hours. It took me eight hours to create, you know, because you're learning so much. Now I've been in it with such a volume of repetition. I, well, I'm also quite visual. So, and kinesthetic. I, I actually, <laughs> I wonder how many people, yeah, there must be a lot of people like this that are both kinesthetic, you know, can, you know, have visual capabilities and also, you know, clear audience, the, the, the realm of being able to hear. Um, and so all of these, these gifts, which can be exercised, right, which can be practiced and open, they come together. So when I listen to a piece of music, one of the things that I, the first thing is, do I like this? Because I, the only time, you know, maybe twice have I played a song that I didn't fully love and I paid for it the whole time <laughs> that piece of music was playing. So for me, the first, uh, let's say, piece on the litmus test is, does this song move me? Does this piece of music you know, invoke something in me. And the invocation can be wide and varied. It might create an emotional experience. You know, it might invoke um, grief or, or, you know, tears. Um, you know, it, it, the, the piece of music might feel heavy and weighted and dark. So because I have such a practiced ear now, I, I, can, I know that pretty quickly what that piece of music is going to do. So... <clears throat> The next thing is, who is the audience? Who is showing up to this experience, right? And what is the intention of this experience? So for instance, in my Spotify right now, I have all these side um, playlists that I'll, oh, that, that piece is gonna be great for movement meditation. Ooh, that piece is gonna be great for tune. You know, I have a pretty wide scope of music that I love, you know, and I'll just be really transparent. I love bass music. Like I, you know, Closey is one of my favorite. She's a female music producer, love her. I know I can't play that music for all of my audiences because it, you know, there's, there's the place of, okay, do I want to play this music because I want to stretch and open what is possible? That's, that's a way that we can use music as medicine, let's say. Um, and then there's the other thing like, no, that absolutely does not fit because it's Sunday morning and that's a Saturday night type of, you know, piece of music. So all of these things for me um, are, are pretty intuitive. Now, that's just choosing a piece of music like one at a time. Then it's how do these pieces of music fit together? Because what I'm doing, what Kate's doing, what so many folks like ourselves that do this type of work are doing, we're creating soundscapes. And so by stringing pieces of music together in a particular way, we are taking you on a journey. And so for myself, I know, okay, well, we're coming in. Most of the time, well, we need to do one of two things to begin. We either need to move some energy so that we can actually truly begin, 
or we need to stretch and deepen into the body. It's usually one of those two things and how it is that we're going to begin. Yeah, and so all of this is a creative process. So for me, when I create a soundscape as an artist, that first piece of music, you know, it, it sometimes I am inspired by one piece of music that will become what I call the root track of that journey. That's, that's the piece of music that ignites and that I'm actually going to create the whole soundscape around. Um, <laughs> I source music from a few different places and um, <laughs> I, will con- I will confess now that I have spent so much time on Spotify now as a, um, and Spotify has learned my musical choices that sometimes now what comes through on my discover weekly or my release radar i can create my whole playlist from that because the algorithm just understands exactly what you've been choosing over the last several years yes yes and it knows i like a lot of different kinds of music so so yeah it's it these shortcuts are amazing but i just want to make a side note you know as far as an artist that that makes you know, money through music, I always, um, and I really encourage folks who um, work in this kind of way to purchase the music that you're utilizing for your classes, because as we know, artists aren't paid a lot through Spotify and those types of platforms. So I just want to make that note um, for us to really support the the artists that support our lives. Yeah, thank you. As, yeah, no, as uh... an artist yeah, on my <laughs> side, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I, um, yeah, this, this was really helpful to hear your process with it. Cause I actually think it's very similar to my creative process. And I, what I heard you saying is that it starts from, I've got to love this, right? It's got to start from, I listen into my body. I listen into what I'm wanting. And then I listen to this piece of music and, you know, from my perspective, I'm, I'm creating the music, but I've, I've got to love every step of the way. I've got to love every choice. And if I don't love it, then I, I toss it because there's what it's never going to work. And if I go back the next day and I'm like, oh, you know, I don't like that, then toss it because you've got to love it every single time. And then I love that you went on and then said, once you love it, now you're looking outwards into the, into like, what does this moment need? Who is the audience for that? Um, and I think that's also a really, really powerful part of the artistic journey. Because um, there's like, the, to me, like there's a creative journey, which is like inwards and like my own wellness, you know, what's, what is, what is my body and my, creativity want to express but then there's the art which is like and now what is how is the world receiving it what's it for you know I'll add just one little note to that um, which is I also experience creating these sonic journeys as a co-creation with the environment that I'm in so for instance if I'm in New York City you know that that sonic journey is going to be different than if I'm at Star House in Colorado, and it's going to be different if I'm in the jungle in Costa Rica. So there is a synergy. There is a co-creation with the environment that's going on as well that helps to support the whole journey. And so the 360 also really attunes to the environment and teaches us to listen and see not only this, but this, you and the, the, the bigger picture of, of, of all that is and all that we are a part of. Mm. Yeah, I think that was a big shock for me because uh, I was introduced to the five rhythms dance form or movement form uh, in New York City. 
and like you mentioned this Tuesday night class that exists it's like it's called high vibes and it's it's big high vibration and I think it was a result of the fact that we're in New York City and there's just so much intensity and it wasn't until I left New York City and started dancing in other cities and going down to Costa Rica and other places I'm like oh right that was a New York thing because New York is so intense and really like it's 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 like we're informed by our surroundings so much and Costa Rica I mean and and I've been to your you know to the to your this the home I guess that you that you you do your practice in in Colorado as well I mean these are powerful um, there's powerful energy in the in the land in those places and that that's there's no way that that's not having a, an impact on the experience absolutely absolutely and so you know when I'm preparing in a way, part of what I'm doing is, well, if I'm sitting here in my home and I know I'm going to stream from here in a few hours, this is the place that I'm drawing um, that information from. But in the online space, I know that people are also showing up from Ireland and from Australia. And so the reach, the listening expands more. 360. Yeah, 360. (laughs) 360. And, you know, and one more thing that, that has, has really emerged and how part of the 360 was born was it, w- it actually was born in a circular space. And so, so much of what we do is in the actuality and the concept, but the actuality of the circle and the power of the circle. And so my definition of a strong community is that everyone in that circle is empowered to be who they truly are. And so that is a, 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 like a, a foundational piece of how it is that I love to hold containers. We're really here to empower the individual to be all that they are meant to be. Hmm. Love that. I think that's a beautiful place to um, to close out our interview because I um, am just so grateful that you took the time to be here. And I think that our listeners will have gotten a lot out of uh, just hearing the intentionality that you bring to the work that you're doing. Um, where can people find you? How can people uh, join join the movement, so to speak? Well, in this day and age, there is there are so many different ways to find people, aren't there? So... <laughs> You know, the, the website, uh, the, three, the 360, using the numbers, emergence.com. That's a place where you can go and just kind of dive in. Um, if you're in social media, we're on Instagram, Facebook, um, really in the process of deepening the conversation on, on IG because so many people are, are using social media um, as a way of, of sharing and, and, you know, dropping in, I would say to one of these hour long labs would be a great entryway. Um, you know, and you can find all that information on our website. Yeah. So that's a, that's a great entry. Cause you know, it's, it's just an hour, you know, you can try on anything for an hour and if you don't like it, you haven't lost anything, you know, it's like, Oh, I, that felt this or wow, I really loved it. So that's how I would, you know, invite people to begin. And then after that, you know, the rabbit hole or the, the ripple out is as far and wide and deep as you want to take it for yourself. Mm. Thank you, Amber. This has uh, been a beautiful, you know, 45 minutes, an hour together. Uh, I'm excited for our listeners to get a chance to get to know you a bit more and uh, just honored to have a chance to connect with you again in this way. 
No, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me in. Appreciate hopefully you. Hopefully we'll get to dance on the dance floor somewhere around the world in this 360 experience. I certainly hope so. I look forward to it. That's our show for today. Thank you once again to Amber Ryan for coming onto the show and sharing her journey and insights into what a spirit-driven movement practice can look like. We will make links available to connect and learn more about Amber and her work in the 360 Emergence on the B Major website. So go to bmajor.co and also follow us on our Instagram page. Make sure that you're following me on the B Major page and also on the Noah Aronson Instagram page as well. And find us on Facebook, YouTube, all the places where you can listen and learn more about upcoming events and shows. If you are going to be in the New York City area during the summer of 2022, I will be hosting a three-part series in partnership with the 92nd Street Y called Inner Standing, where we will take the B Major podcast format and create a live experience with live music, communal singing, the revoice method, intentional movement practices, and live interviews with different guests. Sign up for my Noah Aronson Music newsletter and stay connected to learn more about that offering as well. As always, thank you for listening and for being part of the B Major experience. I want to remind you that at any point on your path, you could be happier, healthier, more creative, more fulfilled. You can be major. See you next time.